Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's some of my final thoughts ahead of the Game Week 17 deadline. So I'm going to go through a bunch of your questions and give you my opinion. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And make sure to check out Fantasy Football Hub. They've got 30% off at the moment and a 30-day free trial. So you can make use of all the tools they've got over there. Links in the description below. Let's jump into it. So is it viable to bench Haaland and upgrade my third forward to Solanke for a hit, assuming I already have Watkins? Now, there are a lot of different questions about Haaland, so I'm going to try and answer them all in one go here. Um, I should also say that because it's a Friday deadline... To get the final thoughts video out in time for you to watch it, I'm having to record it a bit earlier than normal. So at the time of recording, I still don't know whether he's fit for game week 17 or whether he's out. So I'm just going to assume that he's not available for game week 17 when answering this question. Uh, and if he is fine, then you can just skip on to the next question instead. Now, is it viable to bench him and upgrade your third forward? Of course it is. Um, if you take Haaland out, he's almost a guaranteed transfer back in as soon as he's fit, especially with the fixtures that Man City have got. So there's no harm in upgrading your squad overall instead and then not having to bring him back in later. It's not even just about Haaland with that either. Like if Haaland's back by game week 19, for example, you might have other injuries, other suspensions that you can just cover with that third forward slot instead. So having eight attackers, especially over a Christmas period where there's lots of extra fixtures and stuff like that, we're getting closer and closer to five yellow card suspensions. It's not a problem whatsoever. I know some people hate the benching headache. So if you've got all of your players fit and available, you've probably got to bench someone that's good. Uh, and they also hate, obviously, points on the bench. But overall, it is better to have a good squad if you can. So I quite like that option. Um, for other people, they ask me stuff like, is it okay to not sell Haaland? Of course it is, right? If you think you can manage this next few game weeks with him still in your side but on the bench, absolutely fine some people ask me whether it's okay to sell him again yes absolutely fine it's your team i think you just need to be prepared for how you're going to get him back and uh getting him back in game week 19 might not make the most sense for your squad so are you prepared to sit through everton versus man city without having Harden in your team if that's not the case maybe you should find another route to do it but what it's worth with my team i I don't have the money. So as things stand, right, at least at the time of recording, I've still not made a transfer. Um, I've got one million in the bank. Bearing in mind, I also need to do Darwin to Watkins at some point. Even if I wanted to do Archer, I mean, I could just do Archer to someone like Rao Jimenez, right? But if I wanted Solanke in that third forward slot, I've also got to raise one million from somewhere else. And if I don't want to sell Haaland, 
that's very hard to do for my team. So I'm just not in a good position to upgrade that third forward to someone else. But if I could do that, and I could still get Watkins back next week, I'd almost certainly hold on to Haaland. But I think this is just usually the case in FPL, that what makes sense for one person's team isn't what makes sense for another person's team. And you've got to look at it individually, but also decide what you're happy and comfortable with. Some people will hate selling Haaland because they don't want to have to use a transfer to get him back. They're not prepared to go one week without him, which could be game week 19. And if that's you, you should probably just keep hold of him. So definitely viable to bench him 100%. Upgrading your squad at this point in the season is a good idea anyway. Uh, yeah, if you want to sell him, sell him. If you don't, don't. Hopefully he's fine because that just makes all our decisions easier. Let's see what Pep says later. So is Sterling being overlooked? Could he be the one to target as a Gordon replacement ahead of Cole Palmer? And obviously this applies to any midfielder that you're looking to sell. It doesn't have to be Gordon. Um, and I think, yes, he probably is being overlooked a little bit given how good Chelsea's fixtures are. So they've got Sheffield United at home this week, followed by Wolves away, Palace at home, Luton away and Fulham at home. You would expect him to start at least four, maybe all five of those matches. So that looks pretty good. But I also think he's potentially being overlooked for good reason. One of which he's on four yellow cards. So for some people, they just don't want to add a player like that to their squads. And also there's other transfers to make at the moment. A lot of people are making forward transfers, for example. And unless the midfielder you're taking out is definitely out, then Sterling's probably not worth that hit. Now, again, I'm recording this before the press conferences. So Gordon may or may not be fit for game week 17. I don't know. But if he is past fit and he's available... Is that worth a hit to Sterling? Probably not. And these things happen in FPL. Sometimes you have to let good players go because you've got other fires to put out instead. Generally, I really like Sterling as an option. And I think with the fixtures he's got coming up, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't get returns. He is one of those players that seems to frustrate FPL managers quicker than others, though. Like, I feel like with Salah, Son, Saka to a certain extent, Watkins as well, definitely Haaland... If they go on a run where they blank for a few games, you kind of accept it and just hold on to them. Whereas I think with Sterling, if he blanked against Sheffield United at home and Wolves away, I feel like even those two games would be enough for most FPL managers to start panicking a little bit. So I guess be prepared to hold on to him, even if he blanks. And then the yellow card situation, I think you have to weigh that up for your own team about whether you can take that risk. And I know people will say... You always avoid players with yellows and then they continue to score points. You're missing out. And of course that can happen. But also you get situations like Kieran Trippier. I probably wasn't going to bring him in anyway, but I definitely wasn't when he was on four yellows. And had I done that, I now would have a defender without a game this week. So sometimes, yes, you lose points. And other times, you know, it works out pretty well. I think I would look at how many other potential issues I had in my team. So if you look at mine... For example, on the My Team Tool on Fantasy Football Hub, as always, links in the description below if you want to sign up for yourself. If I took out Haaland this week, right, let's just say he's out and I bring in Watkins, then instead of making a forward change and, in, and making my squad better overall, I could just take out Gordon and go for Sterling, right? And just target that Sheffield United game. I think, by the way, between him and Palmer, without penalty, Sterling is better and they're both on four yellows. So there's not really any less risk with either of those two. But let's just say I go for it, right? So I've got that double Chelsea against Sheffield United. On paper, looks great. But what if I get to game week 18 and both of those players are suspended? All of a sudden, and obviously I've got one free transfer, I get that. But one of the players could be replaced off the bench by Cameron Archer. 
which is not ideal. Like Archer is fine as a eighth attacker, right, to keep your structure, etc. You never really want to play him unless you absolutely have to. My second bench would be Matty Cash, and he might start against um, Sheffield United in game week 18, but that's not a guarantee. So that's not ideal. And the other player is Charlie Taylor. Now, I could play him against Fulham away. It's okay a fixture. But I'm still having to play Gabriel and Saliba against Liverpool away. And one free transfer doesn't really solve all of those issues in one go. So I personally, as much as I think Sterling's great for that price with the fixture and they've got, I probably wouldn't take that risk with the team that I've got and the other transfers that I need to make. And also just my bench. I just don't think it's great for game week 18. Ideally, I don't want to play both Gabriel and Saliba against Liverpool either. So if I was going back to game week 17 and I wanted to make a midfield transfer instead of a forward one, I'd probably just go for someone else like Jared Bowen just for that safety that he's not going to get suspended. So yes, he's being overlooked. I think for a lot of reasons or a lot of those reasons for overlooking him are good. But I do think if he can avoid that yellow card, he's going to be a solid differential over the next few weeks. So how many four-point hits are acceptable over Christmas and this season? Now, the first thing I would say is try and get away from the thought process that there's only a certain amount of acceptable hits. At the end of the day, you should be looking at each hit individually and deciding whether or not it's worth it. It shouldn't be a case of, well, I've not used that many, therefore I can take a few more. And it also shouldn't be that I've taken a lot, therefore I should stop. Each one should be decided upon individually right so if i take a hit last week which i did if i need another one this week the one that i took last week has no bearing is does the one this week make sense or could i put one of those moves off until the week after right another thing that people always look at is whether or not a move will pay off over the long term and obviously you want the move to pay off you don't want to be on negative points right but let's just say that you're doing i don't know darwin nunez to watkins you're sick of Darwin, you think a four-point hit over six game weeks will pay off. And it probably would, right? Watkins might go and score 30 points over that time. Darwin Nunez, let's just give him 15. Therefore, if you took a points hit right now, over the next six weeks, you would gain points. But what if Darwin scored five of those points this week and Watkins only scored two of those points this week? Therefore, taking the hit in game week 17 would lose you points and you could just make that move next week instead. Now, one of the counter arguments to that would be something else might come up next week. That's fine. Then you weigh up whether the hit is worth it in game week 18. And it might be that you can just delay one of those moves even further. So I would say where possible, you don't want to take a hit. But with injuries, suspensions, players losing minutes, stuff like that, blank game week to contend with in game week 18, this probably is a period where people will take more hits because stuff is just happening at the moment. Right? I've only taken... I think two hits all season. Let me just double check this here. I took one, yeah, one last week and one in game week eight. And game week, I can't even remember what the transfers were, but obviously I was not getting Salah and I still had Rashford and Fernandes. I'm just going to double check what they were. In game week eight, I did, oh yeah, Estrepinian, who I think was injured at the time. And I took out Saka as well, who was also out for that Man City game. And I bought in Cash and Madison. So I had two players not playing. And I can't really remember what my bench was. Let's just double check here. Let's see if I can justify this hit in hindsight. My bench was Botman. I think he was out at the time. Kabori, who was no good. Did Kabori play that week? Let me have a look. Yeah, Kabori didn't even play. Um, and Cameron Archer, who's just a bit rubbish anyway. So I think that hit was justified. 
Similarly, last week in game week 16, I didn't know if I had a goalkeeper or not. Imbermo was definitely out. And the other move was to get Poro in because all of my defenders have either lost their place or had a really bad fixture. So I felt that that hit was justified. Whereas this week, if Gordon and uh, Harland are past fit, I don't think there's any justification for a hit in my team. Could a hit pay off? Absolutely, it could. But more often than not, it probably won't. In which case, I'll just leave it, right? I just won't use... I just wouldn't make two transfers. So I wish I could sit here and give you a list of criteria to hit. And then when you tick all of those, therefore you take the hit. But unfortunately, it's not as easy as that. I do think for longer term moves, although I've just said, you know, you can always make it next week. You've also got to take into account price changes and stuff like that. Because if you don't take the hit this week and then you get priced out of that move and then long term you lose out on a lot of points, that might not be worth it. So there's a lot to weigh up. But I would get away from this thinking that over Christmas, there's a certain amount of hits that are okay, right? That it's 8 or 12 or 16 or whatever it might be. That is just not the case. There are going to be teams out there that don't take a single hit for the next six game weeks, and that will be the right decision. There will be people that have taken hits the last week, and they'll need one this week, and they might need one in 19, 20, etc. And that could just be the case for their team. They might get a little bit unlucky. might be that a player gets suspended out of nowhere player gets injured whatever it could be so i hope that helps like i said it would be easier to put a list of criteria but unfortunately fpl is not necessarily that easy but for the most part i would try and be cautious where you can so how many clean sheets do i think chelsea will keep in the next five matches now i'll look at the fixtures in a minute and we'll run through that but before that i looked at their non-penalty expected goals conceded so far this season and they sit in ninth place out of the entire league so they're just behind newcastle and they're just ahead of Aston Villa. So they're in the top 10 at 1.34 expected goals per 90 conceded. Earlier on in the season, they were top five, probably because of the fixtures they had. And I think the fixtures coming up are definitely good enough to get a few clean sheets. Like the one, the matches they've had recently, right? Because obviously I was looking really early in the season when they were top five. Like recently, they've had Everton away, Man United away, Brighton at home, Newcastle away, Man City at home, Spurs away. You probably don't expect a huge amount of clean sheets in those games. Whereas the matches they've got coming up, Sheffield United at home, Wolves away, Palace at home, Luton away, Fulham at home. I would expect those defensive numbers to get better. How many clean sheets are in those five matches? I think on paper, Sheffield United at home, definitely. Wolves away is a bit tougher. Crystal Palace at home, depending on how many injuries they're still carrying at that point, could be okay. Uh, Luton away, I probably wouldn't give them a clean sheet there just because so many teams have struggled to keep one so far. And then game week 21 is Fulham at home. I think that match is okay as well on paper. I guess they have scored 10 goals in the last two games. But I don't think that is suddenly the new look Fulham attack where they're going to do that every single week. I don't think anyone is expecting that. So I would say on paper that's still an okay fixture. So I think there's a potential outside shot of three clean sheets in the next five. But I think realistically, it'll probably be one or two. I think they could get two, basically. And for the price of their defenders, that might not be that bad. Bearing in mind, you don't have to play one of their defenders every single week anyway. The problem you've got is who do you choose to go with? Because they've got a lot of centre-backs. There's a lot of rotation in that team. You know, you've got Kukurea playing right back sometimes. I think if I was going to go for one, it would probably be Colwell. Because at 4.6 million, I think price and starts he's probably the best option he hasn't missed a huge amount of games so far i think reese james being out means that someone's got to play right back gusto isn't back yet kukurea could play there but he's also got a knock so i do think Colwell will get pretty good minutes um tiago silver 
usually only plays 90 minutes or zero. So that could be handy that if he misses out, you get someone off your bench instead. So far, he's only missed one game, which is against Everton. But that's probably because of the fixture congestion, which is about to happen again. So they've got Sheffield United on Saturday, Carabao Cup midweek, it's Wolves on Sunday, Palace on Wednesday, Luton on Saturday. Like He's probably going to miss one of those games as well. And I just think if he's going to miss one anyway, you probably just play, uh, pay less money and get Colwell instead. At that point, though, I would look at which weeks do you need their players to cover your other defenders because I would strongly look at Aston Villa instead. Um, I just think with Pau Torres and Konza, look, any player during game weeks 18 to 20 when there's quick turnarounds could miss a game. But with those two players, they're pretty much nailed on. I wouldn't expect Pau Torres to miss a single game over this period. And they've got good fixtures, right? It's not as good this week where they've got Brentford away and Chelsea got Sheffield United at home. But in 18, they've got Sheffield United at home. In 20, they've got Burnley at home. Sheffield United away in 23. You probably wouldn't be... You probably wouldn't want to play them for Everton away in Newcastle at home. Like, I wouldn't expect clean sheets in either of those games. But if you had to, it wouldn't be the end of the world. So I think you have to look at your individual team and weigh up when you need, need to play, when you're going to need to play these players. If you want to play them from now for the next five game weeks, I'd maybe just risk going for a Chelsea defender. But if there's a bit more rotation there, or you just need someone to sit on your bench ready to go as needed i'd probably go to aston villa so for my team for example right if i look at it on hub okay chelsea defender against sheffield united at home this week would be better than one of my arsenal defenders but i wouldn't consider that a pressing need to make a transfer in game week 18 though it's a little bit different i've got pedro Porro against everton at home fine with that but gabriel and saliba against liverpool way i'd probably rather have a different defender so that week i've got chelsea against wolves away or i've got Pau Torres or Konza, so let's just say an Aston Villa defender against Sheffield United at home. So for my specific team, in that week, it would be better to have an Aston Villa defender. When you look at game week 19, again, I'm probably not going to bench Pedro Porro that often. And then Gabriel and Saliba have got West Ham at home, so I could probably just play them. Again, would it be better to have a Chelsea defender instead of an Arsenal one? Possibly, but it's not probably worth the transfer. Uh, game week 20, again, Pedro Porro, Bournemouth at home. Gabriel and Saliba against Fulham away. Not the end of the world, but it could be nice to have a different defender rather than two players in an away game. And that week, Chelsea got Luton away. Not that bad either. But Villa have got Burnley at home, and that would just cover that week a lot better. I'm not going to go through every single week. You can go and do that for your own team. Again, links in the description below. So I, I just think there's a chance, a long shot, they'll keep three clean sheets, Chelsea. I think more realistically, two. But I think in terms of whether they are better than an Aston Villa defender that look pretty nailed at the moment, I think that's up for discussion. And I was kind of keen to go all in on Chelsea, especially a defender, but I've kind of been put off by the rotation and just how they're playing in general. I do expect that to improve with the fixtures they've got, but I think for my team, it would make more sense to go for an Aston Villa defender instead. So I would look at that for your own team and then decide. So is Son worth buying for non-owners? Or is Richarlison a viable alternative that also saves a transfer in game week 21? And the reason that game week 21 is mentioned is because that's the first match the players going to Asia Cup and African Cup of Nations will miss. So essentially, if you buy Son this week, you've got four game weeks and then he goes away to the Asia Cup. Now, I think Richarlison is worth thinking about and potentially a good option for his price in FPL. But don't fall into the trap that 
Richarlison is as good as Son or can cover him or anything like that. Like Son is still clearly the better FPL option for the next four game weeks. So whether or not he's worth bringing in really depends on how many other transfers you've got between now and game week 21 already reserved for other players. If you've got a very tight transfer plan, you don't really have the extra moves to bring him in and then get rid of him again without taking lots of hits. Then maybe you could go with someone else instead. But if you've got the transfer and the money, I would definitely buy Son. That decision to buy him, though, or whether he's a good option to buy, sorry, will get less and less the closer you leave it to game week 21. So it's Forest away this week. Then it's Everton at home in 18. So I think Son is a good alternative captain to Watkins in game week 18 for what it's worth. Then it's Brighton away, no clean sheets this season. And then Bournemouth at home in game week 20. So that's why I think he's still a good option this week. But if you waited until game week 18, then I become a little bit unsure about it. And I think if you still haven't got him by game week 19, you just leave it and hope he doesn't do too much damage for Brighton away and Bournemouth at home. So I feel like if you're going to go for him, this should probably be the week to do it. And I think in most cases, I probably would buy him over someone like Richarlison. Now, in terms of Richarlison individually, I don't think I'd be prepared to sit here and say he's nailed. But I do think his minutes are going to go up over the next four weeks, even with Son still around. And they're def he's definitely going to play when Son is away because they'll need someone to play up front. So for 6.6 .6 million, you've got a bit of a differential. The other good thing, if you're considering Richarlison, is Kudasevsky playing as a number 10 rather than playing wide. So Brennan Johnson then plays right. So they need, they need someone on the left. So that's either going to be Richarlison with Son up front or Son on the left with Richarlison up front. They have got other players they could potentially play in those positions. Brian Hill, for example, has played there a little bit. They've also got, why can't I find his name? Who's the other guy? Uh, Solomon, yeah, but he's out injured actually at the moment. So he's not really an issue at all. So really it's just Brian Hill, I would say. Or... If at some point Ange Postacoglu puts Kulisevsky back on the right, that means it's one of Brennan Johnson, Son, Richarlison, or Brian Hill on the left. So I think the way they've set up in the last couple of games and how well they did against Newcastle means Richarlison's minutes are going to be pretty good for the next four game weeks. But I don't know if I'd be prepared to sit here and guarantee he's going to start the next four games. But I think overall, when you weigh in, when you take into account the fact that Son's going away and Richarlison will definitely play then. I think for 6.6, .6 he's a good option. But is he as good as Son? I mean, nowhere near. I think Son is definitely clear in that regard. Plus, he's on penalties as well. Um, so, yeah, he's a viable option. I don't know whether he's a viable alternative to Son just yet. Maybe in a couple of game weeks' time, that answer changes because Son's got less game weeks before he goes away. But right now, probably not. So now we know Izak is likely to start in game week 17. And with the following fixtures that Newcastle have, is he going under the radar? especially compared to Solanke. Now, the reason they say he's probably going to start in game week 17 is because Wilson started the game against AC Milan in the Champions League, which would mean you would think that Izak's going to start in the Premier League. So I would agree with that. And I think if you own Izak, that's a pretty easy hold. I don't think there's a rush to go to Solanke or someone else. I would just hold him for Fulham at home. But I don't think that Wilson being back and able to rotate with Izak is necessarily a good thing in general. Because that does mean at some point Izak might also miss a Premier League game. Maybe not in the next couple, but after that it gets a little bit trickier. Also, with the fixtures that Newcastle have, like the next three are good. Fulham at home, Luton away, and Forest at home. But then it's Liverpool away, Man City at home, Villa away, which is a bit tougher. Plus, you don't know that Izak's going to start all three of those. Whereas with Solanke, 
He's also got three good fixtures from 17 to 19. Afterwards, the fixtures are, I don't know, they're not really any tougher, I would say. Uh, let's just have a quick look here. So they are Spurs away, Liverpool at home, and West Ham away. I would say arguably on paper, they're a little bit easier. But also, you know Solanke's going to start all those games. Plus, he's cheaper as well. So I think there's definitely a difference here between whether you already own Isaac or whether you're buying new. If I was buying Isaac or Solanke this week, I would go for Solanke. If I owned Isaac, I wouldn't sell him because I think he will start against Fulham. I'm um, looking at just quickly on Newcastle's other fi or, or looking at their fixture schedule. So it's Fulham at home in 17, then it's Carabao Cup midweek. So presumably, if this rotation one off one, uh, sorry, one off one on continues, Isaac will start against Fulham. Callum Wilson will start in the Carabao Cup, and then Isaac will start against Luton away. That could absolutely happen. But if that continues, bearing in mind game week 18 is the 23rd of December and game week 19 is the 26th of December for Newcastle, presumably then Wilson would play against Forrest at home. So in the next three game weeks, you might only get two of them from Izak, whereas Solanke, you're going to get all three. So I think he is going under the radar. But with Wilson back, I think that's absolutely correct. So if I've got Izak, I'll probably keep for 17. If I don't own him, I'm probably buying Solanke or Watkins or someone like that instead. So with clean sheets coming at a premium, should more focus go on attacking players with higher upside? For example, upgrading our eighth attackers. Now, I already talked earlier about upgrading your eighth attacker. If you've got the spare transfer and the money to do that, I've got absolutely no issue with it. I think having a better squad is good overall. And if you don't have the money to go to someone like Solanke, you could get Rao Jimenez or Cunha at Wolves or someone like that instead. So upgrading your eighth attacker, definitely a good use of a transfer, especially if it doesn't block you doing any other moves down the line as well. Just on the clean sheet thing, there's a lot of stuff going around at the moment that clean sheets are down compared to previous seasons. And one of the reasons for that could be the additional time at the end of games. Like used to be like, what, two to four minutes in most matches. Now it's more like three to 10 in some games as well. So there is just more time for attackers to score and that could be why clean sheets are down but i don't buy the narrative that we should just ignore defenders now i keep seeing some comments on videos that just say stop talking about defenders none of them are getting clean sheets anyway i still think your best bet is to try and target the best defenders with the best fixtures i don't think from that perspective anything has changed in fpl of course if you've got the choice between changing a defender or changing an attacker with great fixtures coming up then maybe there is a bit more upside using the transfer on the attacker instead. But if you're happy with your team, you should still be kind of deciding on defenders in the same way you always have. What's their attacking threat? How strong is their team in terms of defensive work? And what are the fixtures like? I don't think that has really changed. So it just so happens that right now, lots of people have got issues with attackers, so they're concentrating their transfers there. But a few weeks ago, I had like Salason, Saka, Palmer, and Imbermo. None of them needed to be moved out. Before I sold Darwin, I had Watkins. And obviously, Harlan was great too. So I had no real need to move my attackers on. Therefore, I could start looking at defenders instead. So maybe there should be a bit more emphasis on looking at attackers at the moment. But I don't think we should ignore defenders, right? Like if you've got a defender with Liverpool away, Man City away, Arsenal at home, Man United away, Chelsea at home, and you can switch them to a different defender with Sheffield United at home, Bournemouth at home, uh, Luton away, Everton at home, Fulham at home, whatever it might be, you'd surely still take that second defender despite clean sheets being that. It's not like there's no clean sheets. There's just less than normal. So having those better fixtures still means more chance of a clean sheet, but also more chance of attacking threat as well. 
So I think going forward, we should just be weighing things up as normal. Yes, if it's a choice between a defender and attacker, maybe you go for the attacker instead. But we shouldn't be at the point where we're just completely ignoring clean sheets or something like that. Anyway, hopefully that video was useful. If you did enjoy it, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button. I'll be back with the deadline stream tonight. I'm just checking when the deadline is. Half six UK time. So I'm going to start streaming at 5 p.m. Anything big that comes up in the press conferences, I'll cover there. I'll also talk through my latest uh, transfer plans and stuff like that. Otherwise, good luck with Game Week 17, and I'll catch you again for Game Week 18. Sports Social Podcast Network.